So Fiona, thank you for coming on the Hustling with Houses podcast. How are things with you today? Yeah, good, thanks. How are you, Callum? I'm brilliant, thank you very much. And thank you so much for coming on. I know we had a brief chat beforehand and, and your story is amazing. So I can't wait to, for people to hear it and, and how inspiring stuff it is and how you bounce back and stuff like that. So for people who don't know who you are, Fiona, could you just tell me a brief, brief little bit about who you are and where you got started and stuff like that? Right, so I'm Fiona Howarth and my business is Property Angel Investments. Uh, I My background's marketing, worked in corporate marketing for 20, 30 years, then got out of corporate marketing and looked at different things. And through networking, I came across a guy who was doing an HMO training course. They didn't have all the networking events they've got now. They didn't have all the support groups. So I went on one course for a week Um and got a you know training manual and then started hassling all the agents in my local area which is Worcester and went out and popped some letters through letterboxes of target properties that looked like they might have motivated sellers and basically pissed off the estate agent and one of the people whose house I kept lettering um and I was nice you know I put the letter through quietly at nine o'clock and slid it through letterbox so the agent phoned me up one day and said look you're really hassling these people and um I've got another property that might be suitable, but it's around the corner from where you live. So I live in a, it's a 30 year old new build estate. Now we've got a big hospital nearby. We've got Worcester Bosch heating, um, some of the big sort of um, companies on the business park nearby. So great place for an HMO. So I went round the lady who was selling the property, her partner had basically left. Um, he'd been having an affair with his secretary, the old chestnut, and they've got three young children, a lot of equity in the property, but he wasn't paying the mortgage. So went round, had a chat with her and thought I'd spent a year looking for properties and, you know, bought that. I think I paid two six five for it. Um, that was 2000, probably 2007, I think, excuse me, 2007. And then I took that property on myself and my friend said, why would you do that? Because you're mental. Why do you always go for these big things that most people in property would go in and buy a one bed flat? You know, that's what normal people do. But you've gone and bought a four bed detached house and you're going to make it into an HMO. You haven't had a property before. And I was going, yeah, but... I, you know, I was single, I was seeing somebody, but you know, it was pretty much I was single. So it was a lone, a lone venture, no property group, no support network, no nothing. And um, there were no HMO regulations at that time here in Worcester. Uh, so I just basically got my brother down to help me put the, um, put the wall back in between the kitchen and the dining room and uh, made it, we made it into a five bed HMO sort of top end. And it probably was, um, income was about two and a half thousand per month and that ran quite smoothly for a couple of years and then the regulations came in about HMO in Worcester so that meant I would have had to spend a reasonable amount of money which A I didn't have at the time and B um, I didn't really want to knock the house about because it's a really nice property and I thought at some stage I might move into that property because it's bigger than mine um, and then we had to put it into single occupancy. So I moved it back into single occupancy. And um, obviously people know that the property is empty or you know, people in the area know that it was empty and um, it's on it's near a main road. 
So we had some issues with people delivering packages there that shouldn't have been delivered. And then um, the police came around one, I think Christmas Eve or a couple of days before saying that some people had gone into the house and tried to set a little fire upstairs in the loft, which was a nightmare. So we had to have a locksmith out, that was fine. And then uh, into the new year, we had a really bad frost that year. And um, it basically the property flooded, but because it was empty, I didn't realize. And there was a frozen pipe in the loft conversion. And that basically uh, flooded the whole of the property and carried on flooding the property and we didn't realize. And then my partner at the time came back and said, oh, Number four looks all the windows look all steamed up. It looks a bit weird. We ought to go around and have a look. So I went round, and um, I nearly collapsed. I literally nearly had a heart attack because the ceilings had all fallen through, water everywhere. There was like a river coming down the stairs, and it, oh, I was just in shock. And that was probably one of the worst days I've ever had. But that was then followed by six months of chasing the insurer, and. Um, trying to get them to pay out on the damage so they wouldn't and basically you couldn't get into the house because the wooden floors had all expanded all the ceilings had come down um and i was paying that mortgage on my own and it was one of those libor mortgages <laughs> so it's like a, a majorly bad story um it was a libor rate mortgage so between the i didn't really look at the key facts summary that well before i um took the mortgage out didn't really understand what a libor rate mortgage was so there was a lot of mortgage for fluctuation with the with the payments on that and i had to pay that on my own for six months as well as my own property and another property i had in stoke that was empty that somebody was supposed to be moving into as a as a you know, rent and do up. Uh, so obviously the insurers dragged it out as long as possible. And what they do is they look, do a background check on you and a financial check, look at your bank accounts, find out how much money you've got. And I think there's a considered strategy by the insurers to milk it as long as possible to make you go bankrupt to the point where you actually have to give the house back. They then don't have to pay the insurance out. So I had two properties, one repossessed because I couldn't keep up the mortgage on that. And um, then the other one, I just let the other one go in Stoke. And my dad died around the same time. Then we had the financial crash as well. So I had three bank accounts with Lloyds Bank. I had personal bank account, business bank account, business savings account with an overdraft. When the market crashed, it basically wiped out all my overdraft, took my savings and bounced all my payments in my current account. <laughs> and uh, basically trashed my credit rating. <laughs> And then my partner left me between my dad dying and the funeral, which was very special, and um, had to go back to Yorkshire, because I live in Worcester now, go back to Yorkshire to look after my mum, organise the funeral, sort everyone out. So I really felt very isolated. And it's like, if you could have, if there could have been a worse time for my dad to die, well, I don't think there could have been. That was, that was just, everything was piling on. And then I had to remain strong for my family because I'm the older sister and my mum because she almost had a nervous breakdown. So I ended up looking after her on and off for about six months. And then after about six months, I just felt like one day I just came home from work and thought, I actually feel like killing myself today. So I spoke to Samaritans and they said, well, well, you know, if you want to kill yourself, we'll stay on the line while you do it. And I'm like, hello, is this what is this what Samaritans do? I thought they were a bit more supportive. 
And then I went to my GP. He put me on antidepressants just basically because I couldn't cope. So I think quite often when someone dies that you're close to, you have about six months where you're keeping busy, you know, trying to sort things out, support people, and then it, and then it just maybe hits you. And I had probably what is a nervous breakdown, but I didn't realise it and was trying to carry on because it was just me paying the bills and didn't really have time for a nervous breakdown. So I uh, ended up going to see a psychiatrist to see if they were going to section me to hospital. And I basically said, yeah, I haven't got time for that. <laughs> I still need to work. <laughs> I need to work to pay the bills. So I haven't got time for a nervous breakdown and I haven't got time for the mental health team to come and check on me every day to see if I've topped myself or not. So, yeah, so then I um, carried on basically being, had suicidal thoughts probably for 12 years. And was on antidepressants and I thought there's not much help um it's basically you have to sort it out for yourself and that I've managed to get out of that by learning how to control my depression like what things trigger me reduce the stress sorry reduce the stress levels um on what I'm doing just main you know make sure I keep an eye on the stress levels and then three years ago I thought I was watching idly watching Netflix and I saw Undercover Billionaire with um Grant Cardone and he was going property 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 and I thought oh no why am I not in property that's my retirement fund that was my retirement fund all those years ago when I bought that HMO that first HMO and my grand plan was to have three HMOs and to not have to work doing my you know corporate marketing job anymore and I thought oh no and you know have a light bulb moment you think why am I not in property and I thought oh yeah because all the shit I went through <laughs> <laughs> that'll be why <laughs> so um yeah so i then thought oh, i should probably have a look into property again so i did a rent to hmo course with stephanie and nikki taylor um worcester where i live is like a nightmare for hmos because basically i say if you fart in worcester you have to have an hmo license <laughs> <laughs> so yeah if i've got a three-bed house and if i have two people living here with me I have to have an HMO license. It's everywhere as an HMO. There's not even a street that isn't HMO licensable in, in Worcester. So, yeah, so I did, yeah, did rent to HMO course, ha had a little dabble with that, mm, ran out of motivation, went back and hid in my shell again, and then uh, joined the Real Life Tribe in probably, couple of, probably two years ago now, and that's a group based up in the East Midlands. And it's yeah. it's more of a support network than a training program, but you train, you know, along the way. And they're very HMO focused, which is what I wanted to do. But they do essays as well, rent to essays. And um, so getting back into the HMO market. So my goals for this year are to have three HMOs. I had I put in a few offers last year, and got to the, just to the edge of the cliff, and then I couldn't jump. I was like, oh no, because this is what happened before. So I spent quite a long time mindset with my business coach and um, just doing a lot of mindset work, you know, get up early and do Miracle Morning. I started doing Couch to 5K, so that sort of sets me up as a, it's a very positive start to the day. So my goal this year is to have three HMOs, one, one in the first quarter. I've had an offer accepted already, so that's going ahead. Um, <clears throat> then have another one in the summer and have another one started ready for probably in September 
do three three flips as well to get some extra cash flow coming in to support the HMOs. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I will have an extra income stream, hopefully, or some other money coming in, so that if we have any unforeseen issues or down value valuations on the HMOs, there's some extra cash there to pay out the investors or to put into the project and develop my sourcing business. And I want to sell 50 deals this year. I've just sold my first one. So swarming year so far. <laughs> Get in there. Get in there. <laughs> well, well, congratulations for coming out this other side of that, Fiona. Jesus, you've got, you've got a bulletproof mindset. You made me laugh where you said, um, where you said, where you're seeing Grand Cardone and thought, right, I've got to get back into property. Like some people will be scarred by that, like turn it off, turn it off. But you were back in there. So congratulations. That, that is an incredible story. So whilst you were doing all this then, was you still in the marketing job as well? Um, I had, because I had the depression, I decided that I had quite a high pressure job. I used to do product development. So I had to do strategy reviews, pitch for investment in terms of from the board of directors and it, I think the older I've got, the more I think I need my freedom, I need time freedom, I need, you know, I don't want to be sitting in an office locked in with air conditioning with people that I don't like. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm completely unemployable now, really. So I set my own marketing business <laughs> up, um, did some work with the local uh, business, uh, the Chambers of Commerce in Birmingham and the West Midlands and where I live in Hereford and Worcester. So I basically chopped and changed and used the opportunity to do things that I couldn't do when I was in that corporate shell. You, yeah. you know, this is this. You're in the corporate mold. This is what you do. You're a marketing manager. You do like European marketing. You do business development. Um, so I tried all sorts. I did. I've done some, you know, jobs like um, I worked for GP out of hours call handling, which was a nightmare because that was after my dad died. So I had 15 hour shifts to do that. Um, I did, I've done call handling for Worcester Bosch um, boilers. We have to do like um, analyze boiler faults over the phone and that was all quite complicated. Um, what else have I done? I've done um, COVID jabs, COVID tests, furniture flipping, <laughs> uh, WordPress <Amazing>. training, <laughs> website development. So I've done lots of different things and I used it as like a growth opportunity to you know, I've, I'm off that corporate treadmill. What else can I do? So it frees you up a little bit yeah. to do things that you may not have thought were worthy enough or interesting enough. It's I have done yeah. some just about the money. I worked for DEFRA. I've worked for APHA, which are a government agency, yeah. part of the civil service. That was very dull. But I could work from home, pay the bills, and I've got a, a, a Labrador who's really helped with the depression. So um, I could spend time with him. So... My aim really is to, yeah. he's eight and a half now. I've had him since he was a puppy, since he was 10 weeks old. And he's massively helped with the depression because um, I work I work on my own um, at home. I live on my own. So it can be quite isolating. So he's, yeah. he's massively helped. So my, my, my goal is really to spend as much time with him as I can, look after him properly. He's like my child. <laughs> Boxers are incredible, especially Labradors. That's what we, like, we want to get a Labrador or a boxer just to do that. Yeah, he's a yellow lab but, like a guide dog, so he's just very cute. Everybody loves him. He's just such a lovely oh. character, yeah. Yeah, they are lovely dogs. They are lovely dogs. But one thing I did really resonate with that you said, Fiona, was um, about the, uh, I think it was the passing of your dad, and then you didn't, you could, you, for six months you're busy, and then 
after that, you kind of come to realization. I really resonate with that because when my, my, nan, my nan passed away, and the same thing happened with my mum. Yeah. After it, she was so busy, yeah. and then this after six months, it was kind of like a hitter. And um, yeah, it was a t- it was a tough time, but I-, I can't believe how strong your mindset is to, to get back mm-hmm. into it. And it, what are some things that how 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 have you? How have you managed to get yourself back into it? Is it just a case of I need to get back out there and do it? What are some things that have helped you get back out uh, there? I suppose financially I need to um, do it for myself. And I sort of believe in that phrase, which is nobody's coming to help you. I've always yeah. been quite independent and I've sort of my I had quite a troubled childhood. My mum tried to kill herself when I was starting, when I was about eight. And then my granddad killed himself under a train at West Bromwich train station as well. So it's like a history of depression. So um, I think I just, from a very early age, had to look after myself because my mum was being depressed. And then I had a little brother who died. So that sent her into, you know, really bad depression. So I think from a very early age, I learned to be independent. And then I had to look after my brother because my mum went into a mental hospital, secure mental hospital, when I was about 13, 14. So I had to be the mum to him. And then I had a brother when another brother when I was fifteen, and my mum came out of mental hospital. So I'm the giver. I'm the I'm the I'm like the, I was like the mum to my brothers, and I think yeah. I've always it's it's a weakness in a way because you have to be very strong and look after everybody else and and just keep going. And um, yeah, so there were, there's that. I think being independent from a very early age, um, realizing that nobody's coming to help me that it's you know what if it's going to be it's down to me kind of thing um and then i suppose joining the real life tribe as well of like it's a lot about mental mindset and training your thoughts and the way you think and i've been trapped in that this is what happened in the past kind of thing and reliving it and i'm trying much more to focus on i've got I'm, i'm coming up to 60 i'll be 60 in march so it's like how many more years have i got so if i want to leave any kind of legacy however you know whatever format that is i need to do it this year this is this is the big year last year was a bit of training and messing around and this year's the big year where i have to pull it all together so, so you know yeah i've heard a lot about the, the that real life tribe it sounds it does sound like a like a proper tribe we had a couple of people we have brian smith on i think he's is it leicester, leicester yeah, is it? he's in but he, they do him and aiden are in uh, yeah, yeah they're doing really brilliantly Sounds like a really good community yeah. to be in. I've not, I've not seen much about it. I just heard it from yeah. yourself now, right? Yeah. Uh, but sounds like an, um, yeah, a very good, a very good community to be in. But has that, has that done you a lot of help? Has it? Yeah, because it's. I think when I signed up for it, I thought it was a training program, but actually, it's a support network. So we have masterminds every week where you learn from other people that are further down the track than you are. You meet people that are doing commercial to resi developments. There's a lot of HMO conversion projects people doing SA, people from all walks of life, lots of different age groups. I'm probably at the older end of the age group because it's a little bit younger. But, you know, it's we're all there to support each other. And, yeah. like, uh, Saturday I'm going down to Cardiff to look at some developments that a few people in the tribe are doing, and they set up a, you know, a day where you'll go around three or four of their projects and look at different stages of development, and that's free of charge. And they do that, you know, a couple of times a year. I've been invited to other people like Shane, my coach. His he does properties down in Gloucester, commercial to Resis. 
been invited to go down there. So it's a very open sharing sort of support group. Um, people just help each other out. So, and we do a lot of mindset. There's a couple of events each year which are about mindset, like four day trainings for mindset and stuff. So it's not it's not your typical property group. <laughs> yeah, that's what that's what Ryan was saying. To be mm -hmm. fair. Um, so are your the HMOs that you're going for then? Are you, are you focused on focusing in Worcester? Zone? No, because it's a, it's an Article Four area. So uh, there are I'm, I'm focusing on Derby and probably East Midlands because you get uh, bigger bigger properties for the money there or better value for money properties there. Like for example, you can buy um, an, an eight a two or three bed property in Derby, for example, which is about 135k to 150k spend 165 and then it will probably be valued the gdv will probably be about 465 to 485 and you'll be making 800 pounds yeah. a month net profit on those so um in worcester it's all article four and the, the property price is more expensive and they're you know it's just it just doesn't yeah. work for me personally it doesn't work it, it wouldn't work in worcester so yeah so if you if you could go back now then to that bit the, the big house that flooded and stuff like that and do and do something different to try and change what happened with the with the flooding and stuff like that what was there, is there anything that you'd do different at all? Um, Looking I think back? one of the important learnings is always have a another income stream, um, you know, multiple income streams, so that if anything happens, I mean, nobody could predict that the two thousand and eight crash was going to happen. I would never have expected the you know the property to flood it just did uh, i didn't think insurers would be so horrendous to deal with and i've heard other stories so i would say i've heard similar stories of people who've had properties that have burnt and things so i would say although you've got insurance don't count on that insurance paying out and certainly not paying out the full amount because they will do everything they can to avoid paying you um it's wrong isn't it i know i know I, a bit a bit different but i know a guy who used to have a moving business and i know a guy who had uh, where i am he had like a a fleet of vans and he, he all insured and someone set someone set them on fire or they went on fire or something in his yard and it, it, it was you know 150 maybe 200 grand's worth of worth of vans i know yours yours is much more with the, with the house but they got lit up and um they never paid out, and he's been paying these premium insurances. It's just, it's just terrible how they get away with not paying it. Sometimes they're always, they're always looking for way out. faults yeah. in, yeah, and a way out. I think yeah. also if if I hadn't had all the other stuff going on as well, I would probably have been mentally stronger to fight it. But I was so beaten down with everything by that stage. I just thought I could feel like I was having my could feel my brain was shutting down, and I just thought I need to simplify yeah. things. That to me, the worst thing was having that that property flooded and then repossessed. I mean, I went round to the property when it had been repossessed and I met a bailiff there and he was saying, well, you know, we stay in here for two weeks if you if you say you've got a dog and, um, you know, so, uh, you know, but I just thought you have to let it go. Um, yeah. So I would, I would have fought more. I did try and fight it. I went to court on the day to try and fight the repossession, but, um, you know, just couldn't do it. You had a hell of a lot going yeah, on. Yeah, so I'd say well. I would probably have, I would be, I would perhaps get solicitors involved and fight it much more rigorously if it happened again. But um, I would make sure that I had the capital, the extra capital around to, um, in a pot to, to cover those kind of eventualities. You just, just have to accept that maybe insurance isn't always going to pay out. Don't assume it, it will. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah, and the one in, and the one in Stoke that you bought because Stoke Stoke quite away from what's yeah, there. Yeah, it's or... probably about an hour. So yeah. But, yeah, how long you went for that one in that area? Is it just a, a yeah, deal? Yeah, it or? was. Um, they used to sell deals on some websites. Um, in the, in those days, so you could just buy a deal. It was a probate property. It come out of, uh, and it was quite a cheap deal. So I thought, yeah, go for it. Let's go up there, have a look. Thought, yeah, it would probably be an HMO because it's near the hospital. Didn't have much of a garden, which was fine. Um, so I was going to convert it into an HMO and in those days they did back-to-back mortgages so I took 15 grand out of that deal um, and a friend of mine made about half a million doing that kind of thing at the time so it was like it was my first one but my learning is generally in life as well is never go for a a short-term solution that's going to end up being a long-term problem and that ended up being a problem property. I ended up getting um, a lady move in who was going to do a rent to buy, I think it is. So basically, she was going to rent it, do it up, and then um, you know pay me rental and a little bit extra to pay towards the purchase yeah. price. She then didn't do anything to the property and then just did a bunk. <laughs> so <laughs> that's why I was paying three mortgages on on my one salary at the time, which is you know you can only do yeah. it for so long. That's it. That's a great tip, and I think. I think um, that that is one thing that only comes of experience, definitely, because I it's it's so easy to only see the short term thing, isn't it? And and look at that and think, oh, this seems so good now. But then once you've done that, it's like it's it's like buying a cheap car. It's usually it's cheap for a reason, and in the end, in the long term, you know, something's going to go wrong. But yeah, it's it's a it's a great tip, but. You've obviously got big goals this year. You've got your 50, 50, 50 uh, deals, deals yeah. you want to sell, HMOs yeah. and free yeah. flips as well. So it's a big year, it's isn't it? a big year, yeah. Have you got, have you, so you're looking for your HMOs. Are you, are you flips in the same area as your HMOs or are you looking anywhere um, for them? Could potentially be anywhere, yeah. I mean, I've got a small probate business that I run as well. So one of the deals that oh. I've got has come from a probate client and, and that was potentially in Folkestone, which is a four-hour drive. So... Over Christmas, I went yeah. down four hours just to go and look at that flat, meet the lady because I've I've spoken to her, um, and sort of just look at the property and then come back again. You think that's eight hours driving in one day? Like, are you mad? Uh, but we know I am. We know I am. <laughs> so my coach said I was going, yeah, but that flip, it's not going to work. Cause it's too far away, and I want to be near it. He said, well, look, your goal is three flips with a minimum of 35k profit on each what if you um could do that one in a couple of months and you made 20k but it's in folkestone or you could do one nearer you but it's gonna take you know eight months you will have to go through planning and you might make 40k which one would you do and i said oh yeah hadn't thought of it like that so i'm still looking at the folkestone flip so that could be one of my first flips although it's an apartment so it's got issues with the leasehold planning so i might just sell it on as a deal so yeah so do you do what you, you um what what is the business that you do then now have you got a couple of business on the go now um, I've, i'm setting a digital marketing business up so that's digital products wow. but um the I have already got a digital product business, which is this probate property business, probate business that I do. And um, so I have a link in there with um, people doing probate for their family. So I help people do their own probate and I sell a kit that they can download, but they can also come to me and I help them through the probate process. 
I don't do inheritance tax, a little bit more complicated, but I give them some guidance. So if it's a fairly straightforward estate where they're going to be under the inheritance tax threshold, you can claim residential nil rate tax, which is basically if you're leaving property to family. So I help people do probate. And I've never really promoted my property business to those clients because I think it might be a slight conflict of interest. But what I'm trying to do is try and um, sort of see what the synergies are and try and build, is, is there a connection? So offer my property services to probate clients if they want it. So just very soft touch, you know, through an email campaign yeah. and then I mention it occasionally like this particular project the lady it's her cousin who's died she just wants to you know she's got other things going on she just wants somebody to come and help her with that problem so I'm being a, a problem solver for yeah. her so you're clearly a high achiever Fiona because you've got a lot of you've got a lot of businesses that aren't yeah. just businesses you walk into that you know you need training and you you know you're clearly a high achiever mm -hmm. so You've done a lot of things in your time, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, but um, but no, honestly, it's been it's been amazing having you on. You've got such an incredible story. I, I absolutely love it. When when we first spoke, I just thought I need to have you on because I just I, I I loved it. You loved you straight away because you just made me laugh, <laughs> and the way you're so down to earth with it is just amazing. And and, and like I say, your mindset's so yeah. strong. So congratulations Thanks, for for pushing. Oh, that on. Been no lovely problem, talking to you. For, Oh, you too. But um, if anyone is looking to connect yeah. or just chat with you or maybe get you on their podcast, because like I say, you've been a, you've been a yeah. great guest and I'm sure we'll get a lot of value from it. You're so open. You're an open book. Yeah. So again, thank you for coming on. But if anyone is looking to connect, where is best to find uh, you? Probably on Facebook. So I'm a, I'm a property angel on Facebook. Um, yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much again, Fiona. Thank you for coming on. It's been an Thanks, absolute Cal, pleasure. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, all right then. Take care. See you.